Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each week, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Good morning, Alison. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I hope you're well as well. Matthew, I'm going to jump straight into it. It's been a big week in markets, really, from a number of different fronts. But I think particularly interesting is the movements in the bond markets, which are ongoing. You had a terrific episode with our colleague Drew Cleesey a couple of weeks ago when we started talking about bond markets. But the markets were again surprised this week by some materially stronger than expected retail sales data from the US. And that data to me just continues to point to that strong resilience of the US. US economy and the consumer who's seemingly in rude health. So the print was a bit of a shock to the markets. And since then, we've seen the US bond yields continue to move up further. And at the time I checked just before recording of this podcast, sitting pretty close to 5% nominal uh, and real yields around about that 2.5% mark. So we're really interested to get some colour or some thoughts on you in terms of with this positive momentum on these yields or these upward movements in yields and concerns from markets, I think, about the debt issuance for states, which is enormous, and also some concerns about the Middle East oil prices really could we see further movements up from here or or how are you looking at it oh yes you're right allison uh, the volatility around u.s bond markets but not just u.s bond markets australian bond markets too which also experienced a significant sell-off this week is is really the the issue at the moment and as you point out u.s bond yields are now flirting with five percent last week we saw quite weak demand at a an auction uh, of 30-year treasuries in the US, and that really rocked the market uh, related to, I think, your point about the state of public finances in, in the US. And that's been reinforced this week, as you point out, with the news about the resilience in consumer spending. Now, my guess is that yields of around 5% must now be starting to be very attractive to investors. And, and you know, there is that risk that that will entice them back into the bond market. In fact, this Wednesday, we saw a 20-year Treasury auction, which is very well bid in contrast to the 30-year auction of last week. Now, the outlook for the debt issuance, as you pointed out, is also a concern. But, you know, it's pretty well known by the markets, you know, the extent of the debt issuance. And I would have thought by now uh, that's priced into bond yields, particularly, you know, underpinning that sort of uh, volatility is the ongoing issue with the debt ceiling in the US. So that's a, another risk. Now, Thursday, we saw Fed Chair Powell commenting on all of this in a speech and an extensive Q&A session at the uh, Economic Club in New York. And now he pointed out that inflation was still too high, but he did indicate that the Fed will wait and see how the data evolves uh, before he pulls the trigger on uh, another rate hike. And what he noted there was that the rising bond yields themselves were significantly tightening financial conditions. Now, the market most commentators so far seems to have interpreted Chair Powell's comments as taking rate hikes off the table at the next meeting uh, at November in the next FOMC meeting. Now, that means, I think, that, uh, you know, really the outlook for interest rates, both in terms of the Fed funds rate and, and bond yields more generally, is going to depend a lot on the economic outlook. And if demand continues to pump or inflation fails to continue its downward trend, then certainly yields will take another leg up. Yeah, it's interesting times and certainly very big movements. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast where I'm discussing markets and economics with Dr Matthew Peter. Matt, with yields rising as they are, something I am really surprised about is that we haven't seen any material movements in equities. Yeah, a little bit of movement down, but nothing considering the size of the moves that we've seen, particularly in real yields for the bond markets. 
So with markets taking it in the stride, and we've also have on top of that heightened geopolitical risks which are quite material. What's your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, I agree with you, um, Alison. The S&P 500 is only 5% of its end July peak, which is really modest given that US uh, 10-year real yields, you know, they've risen by about 90 basis points over that period, you know, from July to now. Just on the rise in yields itself and its impact on the discount rate on equities, you would have anticipated a sell-off of around 15% for a 90 basis point increase in the real yield. So what's going on? I suppose what we should point out is that over that same time horizon from July to now, economists have actually been lifting their outlook for US growth expectations for the second half of this year quite substantially. Now, if we go back, Alison, to July, the consensus forecasts, uh, that is the amalgam of forecasters forecasting the US economy, they were expecting average growth in the US economy of just 1.6%, which is below trend. Now, you fast forward three months to today, and that expectation is now an above trend 2.1%. And that substantial increase in the outlook for the economy, in fact, could be driving a stronger outlook for corporate earnings. And that is possibly partially offsetting the impact of higher yields. Very, very good points. But I think, you know, the flip side of that is that doesn't sound like an economy in slowdown mode or in contractionary mode, which is what the Fed is trying to engineer. So, is inflation under control when we have GDP, I think with the latest data, around about 5% for the US. That's a pretty healthy economy. And you combine that with a healthy consumer, it really gives you that, you can understand, I guess, why the bond markets are sort of re-rating where they think their prospects of growth are, which is one of the, the potentials of why yields are going where they are. So in light of all of that, Matthew, just really keen to think, what is it that, you know, the bond markets, certainly that those are points of optimism, but just mathematically, that discount rate should see, you know, equities being a bit softer. And, and nonetheless, those real yields are now at a point where they should be fairly contractionary. Is there something that the markets are sort of waiting for? Do you think they're sort of holding on to hope? Or is there something that's going to be quite key to that sort of sentiment and mood in your view? Well, I think you alluded to it. You hit it on the, on the head. It's about you know, the outlook for the US economy, it surprises on the upside, it continues to surprise us on the upside, even into this current quarter. And when you look at how bonds reacted to the retail sales data, which at the end of the day, is just one month of spending, you know, you can see that, I think that that's really where the focus is, is on at the moment. Now, if you think about the US, in the US, the consumer, Allison is king, they account for 70% of the US economy. And the other thing about the household spending is that they are happy to spend when they've got job security. So this brings the employment data and the unemployment rate, traditionally data that are considered lagging indicators, it brings it to the forefront of market attention. Strong labour market is going to signal a strong consumer. And then, of course, you've got the inflation data as well. So that I think the combination of that, the spending, the uh, labour market inflation, all of which traditionally have sought for to be lagging indicators, now are where the market's focused. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, very interesting. And of course, we had the Australian um, labour market data coming out recently, and we've seen unemployment tick down a little further here. So very strong in Australia as well. But Matthew, what about forward indicators? You've talked about those lagging indicators. What, what's the market? Is any focus there, do you think, on particular numbers? Well, you know, the thing about the forward indicators, uh, Alison, is 
you know, of late, really, I'd say post-COVID, really, th- th- those indicators had a terrible track record of forecasting anything. If you look at consumer sentiment indexes in the US, for example, they've been predicting a weak consumer spending. Business sentiment indexes, both manufacturing and service sector uh, indexes, have been painting a picture of deteriorating outlook. So they haven't really been very good in terms of predicting anything. So I think we have to discount those forward-looking indicators at the moment. In financial markets, many commentators look to the yield curve for guidance on the state of the economy. They look for inversions of the yield curve, then followed by a quick steepening as investors you know, start to anticipate that central banks will need to cut policy rates in the face of the slowdown, for example. Now, some would argue that inversion comes steepening has happened this year, but even so, even if you agree that that's happened, the steepening of the yield curve that we've seen recently has just been at the long end and it's been driven partly by that strong growth expectations, not by an anticipation of rate cuts. So I think the more relevant indicator in the current environment is terms of looking at uh, financial market data, again, is what's traditionally thought of as a lagging indicator, and that's corporate earnings, as I said before. And that, along with where uh, real bond yields go, will determine the outlook for equities, which, of course, if they roll over, is another source of risk to the economic outlook because of the feedback loop from uh, a fall in risk asset price, including equities, to financial tightening, to consumer spending. Now, Alison, on that point, about earnings, and I know you, you, you're you an avid watcher of all things US earnings. Uh, we're at the start of the US earnings season. So is there any indication of, of support to equities from the data so far or perhaps headwinds to equities? Yeah, no, look, it's a really good point that earnings are certainly watched by me, but by many. Um, and I think particularly important just to try and get that pulse of the health of the economy. But you know, it's, it is early days, so a little bit too early to say anything too meaningful. But from the aggregate numbers so far, about 13% of the S&P has reported. And of those, though, there's been positive surprises from 77%. So small numbers, but certainly seeming positive and and on that basis suggesting ongoing resilience to the economy there as well. We have had a couple of big names report, Tesla and Netflix. Tesla's result wasn't quite what the market expected, but conversely Netflix, you know, was a was a strong result. So a little hard to make any too meaningful conclusions at this point, but certainly something I'm going to be watching and and interesting to see how the uh, the company earnings fare during this season. It doesn't sound like there's much in it so far to suggest that there's any real significant slowdown in the outlook for corporate earnings, really, does it? Even though you've only had 13%, still 77% with positive surprises is, is way above average. That's right. And there's some positive earnings and numbers in that data as well. So it is um, yeah. it is interesting to observe. So, Matthew, I'll, I'll, we can update on that one next week. So, Matthew, thank you very much for joining me again. And thanks also to our listeners for taking 10. Ten-